Okay, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit today, kind of a, uh, you know, life course is coming up, and we speak about the Holy Spirit in the life course, and I want to talk about what happens when the Spirit falls. Okay, now there's a lot of things that happen when the Holy Spirit falls, right? There's a lot, and it's all through Scripture, it's all through the Bible, but two things that happen is that the, str- the church is strengthened, okay? And Paul talks about that in Scripture. I'm going to read it. But the other thing that happens is that people are drawn into Jesus. People are drawn to the family when the power of the Spirit moves. And we see this in the ministry of Jesus when it says he preaches, and then signs and wonders you know, accompany that. And there's power, there's credibility then in the Word, and people... People come to salvation. He said, you know, the kingdom of God is here. And then, and then there's signs and wonders. And then there's the apostles. Same thing. Go out and preach the word, preach the kingdom of God, and heal the sick and cast out demons. And then with the random 72, same thing happens, okay? They go out, they preach the word, blah, 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 right? And so that all happens in the New Testament. And that, that, that's part of what I want to talk about today. Um, and that should be happening with us. But also, it... it it's for the edification, the strengthening of us. And, you know, you hear testimonies like today, right? You hear about God's power in people's lives. You hear about people having dreams or visions. You hear about, you know, people adopting children. And I mean, all of these things are evidence of the power of the Spirit moving in and through us. We hear those stories. And we're like, man, that's amazing. Like, that is encouraging. That strengthens me. Uh, and we have the life course coming up, which is, is a testimony of the other way. We, we, we share the gospel. You know, we talk to people. We build trust with people on the Tuesday nights. We invite them on the weekend. We talk about the Holy Spirit. Boom, bada, bing. You know, they meet the Holy Spirit. They have these power encounters with Him. Their life is transformed, and they're drawn into the church. Okay, and now this is a normal pattern that we see all through Scripture. Okay, when the Spirit falls, these things happen. But, but many times we associate the falling of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, with like signs and wonders gifts, right? Like healing, miracles, prophecy, words, pictures, and those things. But what Paul says is very different from that. Paul says that we're a body, right? And that the body is made up of many members and that know, you know, that every member has a role to play in the body and that the spirit gives gifts. He doles out gifts. It says, as he desires to who he wants and when he wants. Okay. And so we receive those gifts. We play our role in the body and God moves in power and we're edified. Right. And so like, if any of you have been greeted by Kevin Gay on the welcome team, you're like, this is amazing. This might be the nicest guy, the most friendly guy I've ever known in my life. That's not normal, people. He's not normal. He's just not. He is so kind. He's so nice. He's so generous. He is so happy all the time. Well, that is equally the work of the Spirit as healing someone or prophesying, right? That's a gift. What does it do? You walk in, you're encouraged, you're edified, you're like, man, this is awesome, right? And then you bring people with you maybe, they have an experience with Kevin Gay, and they're like, I feel so loved, I feel so cared for. I want to come into the church, I want to stay, stay in the church. I love this, I'm not used to this, this is amazing. This is the work and the power of the Spirit. This is what he does. He does it through all the gifts, all the time as he desires and he pours out his spirit. Or, or let's think about like our children's workers, the gift of serving, the gift of loving our children, the gift of preaching the gospel to them, the gift of teaching them how to move, our children to move in the power of the spirit, to soak, to prophesy, to pray for each other, 
Okay, so the leaders and the servants in our church that are doing that, those gifts, that gift equally is powerful and equally a powerful demonstration of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we see this happening in the New Testament all over the place. All over the place we see this. And so whenever we elevate one gift above the other, it marginalizes the gift that is less than, right? And so if you say things like, well, man, I've never, I've never healed anybody, and you have the gift of administration, you're made to feel like it's a lesser gift. When the Bible says that the lesser gifts, the gifts that are not seen, we should, get, we should give special honor to. When I think, especially in the charismatic church, we do the opposite. We elevate these powerful, miraculous, the, 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 these gifts of prophecy, these, these, these gifts of healing in a way that what is it, what happens? Well, if I don't have that gift, I feel marginalized. I feel less than. And we elevate, we're elevating the wrong kind of gift, according to Paul. According to Paul. All the gifts, all the gifts are special. And Paul says that we should eagerly seek the gifts, every gift, all the gifts. We're all important to the body of Christ. We're all important in building the kingdom of God. We're all important when it comes to building the church, edifying the church, bringing people into the church. You know, next steps, this is interesting. You know, next steps is a, is a meeting that we have. And in this meeting, we kind of talk about, hey, this is how we got started. I share the story of the church. We kind of share this is what's happening in the church. And we ask people, like, how did you come to RCC and why do you stay? And there's two answers they give that shock me every week. They go, I came because of the website. Seriously. There's a ton of people who go on the web, they Google, you know, churches in Jacksonville or charismatic churches in Jacksonville, and River City Church comes up, and they come to River City because it's on the web. So that's the first thing. The second thing they say, this awesome, and as a testimony to you guys, is that they say, I feel loved. When I come, people say hello to me. People welcome me. They, they make me feel cared for. I feel a part of this, this, this church, and it feels like a family. All of these things. Well, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working through you to make people feel cared for, make people feel loved. And we look at the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the apostles, the ministry of the church. These are the things that we see in the gifts. These are, these are gifts that are very valuable. And each one of you, that's why we say everybody gets to play. And I've kind of changed that and I've said, no, everybody needs to play. Every single one of you is a part of this family, is a part of this valuable, is a treasure that God has died for to bring you into his family so that you can participate, that you can be filled up, you can be encouraged by one another, and then we can invite people into this. Does that make sense? Okay, so I wanted to say all that because I want everyone to understand that all the gifts are critical, that all of you are critical. So as I talk about this specific gift, well, I'm going to talk about a specific gift today, that when the Spirit falls, and we miss this, when the Spirit falls, there's two times the Spirit falls in Acts, we see very powerfully, one is in chapter 2, and one is in chapter 4. And we're going to look at both of those, but we see some similarities, okay? We see some similarities, we've taught, we've read, we've understood these similarities before, and we kind of focus on them, like I just said, uh, 
whenever the Spirit falls, there's speaking in tongues, there's miraculous signs, there's preaching, and there's people being saved. But there's something else that happens in these passages that we miss. Or, or I can just speak for myself. I've missed it, you know, and so I've never preached on it uh, uh, in this context. And you know what the gift is? You know what's happening? It's giving. It's how they give. They experience the Spirit, and they begin to give in radical ways. That giving is a gift that exists when the Spirit falls, and it causes people to what? Be edified and strengthened in the church. The, 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 the world sees it, and they're drawn into the church. The gift of giving. I know I say giving, right? And you're like, oh, snap. I picked the wrong service to bring my mom to. Right? Or you're like, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm just going to duck out real quick. So if you leave, I will draw attention to you, and people are going to think you're greedy. Okay? So I don't want that to happen, and so don't leave. Okay? Please do not leave. Okay, so this is what we're going to do, is we're going to open our Bibles. If you have a Bible, open it. If you have an iPhone, hit it. iPad, if you brought your computer today, awesome. Open it to your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, in the backs of your chairs, there are Bibles. You can grab one of those. We love the Bible. We love, love, love the Bible. Jesus says, you know, it's not by, it's not by what we eat that we find life. You know, it's by the, the Word of God, the spoken Word of God, by the written Word of God. Okay, so if you get one of those Bibles, it's on page 532, just to help you out. Page 532, Book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 29. 532. It's about four-fifths of the way down in the left column, okay? Now, I'm going to assume everybody that's not looking down has, like, memorized the New Testament in the Greek, which is awesome, because I have, you know, and so, so that's okay. But we have it on the screen. We have it on the screen. There's no guilt. There's no shame I'm not having your Bible, all right? Okay, let's, let's, let's read this and see if I'm telling the truth, okay? Okay, and now, Lord, look upon the threats And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Power of the Spirit coming, right? Same as in Acts 2. We're going to look at that. And they were filled. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak Continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart. And that that term means friendship. I'm going to talk about why that's important, okay? And they were of one heart. They were friends and one soul. And And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Father, we pray that you would come right now, and that you would open our, our hearts, and that, that, that what we are reading and we're hearing in our heads would move to our hearts, and we would become radical 
in our faith, in every area of our faith, we'd become radical in the way we express your love for the world and the way that we move in the power of your spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, and we ask for you to do that. Okay, okay, look at that. It's there, isn't it? It's there. Oh, it's there. Giving, how they gave. They experienced the spirit. It comes down how they gave. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word in boldness. Okay, so we have the word going out they're filled with the Spirit, word goes out, and what's accompanying this is, is giving, is radical giving. It's testifying to the power of the Spirit and the word going out. Just like in the ministry of Jesus Christ and the apostles and, and, and the 72. The word's being preached, the king, you know, the king of God, they're preaching the word, and then there's a manifestation of God's power. And in this situation, the manifestation, along with other signs and wonders, is the gift of giving. Is giving how they are giving. Okay, so let's look, at, let's look at Acts 2, which is the more famous passage, right? Instead of Acts 4, okay? It says this in Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There it is. The word's going out. The apostles' teaching. People are hearing it. And the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And this is just after Pentecost, okay, just after the Spirit falls. And it's talking about, this is, this is what's happening, okay, with the, with the fellowship of the Christians. And it says, and all came upon every soul, okay, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Okay, so there's a manifestation of power, there's a manifestation of the Spirit, there's signs and wonders to give credibility to what's being said, whoa, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What, what? I mean, that, how many times at River City have we looked at this passage talking about the charismatic, you know, the, the moves of, the, of, of the, the signs and wonders gifts, okay? Because charismatic charisma, it means all the gifts. It doesn't just mean the signs and wonders gifts, okay? It means all the gifts. But how many times have we looked at this because God has called us to be a church that normalizes the supernatural, that normalizes these gifts that we often have been taught have ceased, that normalize these gifts of miracles and signs and wonders so that we believe I can move in that power. I can be somebody that testifies to the word that's alive in my, in my life. I can pray for people and they will be healed. God can use me to, 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 to give a word or a picture and to prophesy over people and to give life to them, getting, giving credibility to Jesus, the word that lives in me. As I speak it, we see it happen, okay? And then, but in here, Luke's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are amazing. Those are powerful, but equally as powerful, and I've recorded it, intentionally recorded it. The Holy Spirit has intentionally spoken it so that you will not miss it. When the word goes out, credibility comes from how we live and how we give. If you are filled with the power of the Spirit, Yes, you can move in the power of the Spirit. Signs and wonders, prophecy, all of those things, right? But Luke is saying radical giving accompanies a move and a falling in the power of the Spirit. That's what, that's what he's teaching. This is, these aren't my words. This is not Antley. Like, oh, it's giving time at RCC. Antley's making something, something up. 
You know, I've said this. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. But what, what Luke is saying is that when the power of the Spirit falls, when the power of the Spirit comes on us, we should look for this. We should look for this. Because what does it do? It edifies the body, doesn't it? It directly edifies the body. Because the, the wealthy, they're selling, the people who have stuff are selling it, and they're giving it to people who don't have stuff. Well, that's a pretty direct correlation, right, for, for, for someone in the body who is without being encouraged, being edified, you know, making them feel valued, a part of the family, that their physical needs are being met. They're being edified. And it says that there's friendship there. And I want to unpack this friendship thing. There's relationship there that wouldn't exist across social classes. That's significant, right? And so, and I want to talk about this. And the other thing that's happening is that people see that, people see that, how we give, how we live, how we spend our time and our life, and they're, they're drawn to the church, okay? Does that make sense? Do you believe me? This is what Luke's teaching. You got it? Okay, what's a little cloudy, and I want to unpack now, is how it really draws people to the church, because I just kind of glossed over that. We don't see that right away. We see how it does, number one, how it builds us up. We see how it encourages us, how it makes us feel a part of the family, how it allows us to use the, some of us to use the abundance that God has given and to, to, to give in radical, crazy ways as we experience the Spirit. But how does it draw people? How did it draw people? What's Luke getting at here? How, how, how did people see this? And then we're like, what the, what, how, what's going on here? Because that's really what's happening. You see, back in the time, if you were rich, you never did anything. You were never, you never associated with anybody that was not in your social class, okay? You just wouldn't do it. Greek, Greek and Greco-Roman philosophers would teach against this, and they were, they were separate, big separations of class. And whenever Luke uses this, that they were one, that they were all one in both of these passages, he uses a word, a Greek word, that, that they would have understood, the Jews would have understood that he was speaking to, but also that the, the outsiders in this culture would have understood. And it was a word that means true friendship. It was a word that says that we are equal. It, it, it says that, that we are not just gathering in the same place, but we are fellow, it says one fellowship, that we are fellowshipping together, that we are living together. And so we have the haves and the have-nots crossing this social boundary, crossing this social boundary, and it is outraging the culture that they're surrounded by. They're like, this is wrong. I can't believe they're doing this. And we have issues like that in today's culture, don't we? We're unified because of the differences we have from the world, or we should be. We're unified. And this is what's happening, is that, is that people are seeing this, and they're like, in the culture, in the world, and they're like, this doesn't make sense. This is wrong. We taught them better than this. They shouldn't be doing this. And it makes them angry. It makes them outraged. But the other thing that it does is it draws them to the church because they're curious. How? How is this happening? What's really going on? I want to read a quote from a philosopher back then, and um, it's going to be up on the screen or on the wall. Lucien Samasadawa. I think that there's a Girl Scout cookie named after his last name, maybe. I don't know if, if that's true, but, you know, I read it as Samosa and just trust that, you know, God knows the difference, right? And he's a Greek philosopher, 
And he says this. He, he hated Christianity, right? He hated Christianity uh, because of how it rubbed against this. And he said, their founder, which is Jesus, persuaded them they should be like brothers to one another, one fellowship. Therefore, they despised their own privacy and rank and viewed all their possessions as common property. That's pretty crazy. So this, so you see the clarity here? So there's this philosopher who's living in the world. He's hearing about what's happening in the church, and he's angry. He's angry at what they're doing because it runs contrary to what he's used to, to what he's been teaching as a philosopher, okay? And then we see this. In the last, there's a... Um, this is the last non-Christian Roman uh, emperor who also, he hated Christianity. He writes this letter to a friend, and this is what he says in the letter. He says, the, Christian, the Christians' success lies in their charity to all. They take care not only of their own poor, but ours as well. Ours as well. So the original giving in the church, the tithes and the offerings of the church were used for two things. One was to meet the needs of the body first, and then they would go rescue babies that were being abandoned by the culture because they didn't want to care for them or whatever. They had zero value of life. They would just put them out in the fields, put them out to die, and, and they would go get them and take care of them, even though they were not part of the church. The second thing that they would use the money for was to go buy people out of prison, They'd pay for people with their money to release them from bondage. Sound familiar? Right? It's kind of what Jesus did with us. And that was their motivation. The power of the Spirit falls on them, right? They experience this great outpouring of the Father's love. They're reminded of the sacrifice of what Jesus has given. How much did God give for you? They're remembering. How much did God give for us? Well, he gave everything for us. So why wouldn't we, as a response to his love and what he's done for us, that of course we would give everything to him. This would be the normal response to experiencing an outpouring, a reminder of God's love, of God's power in our life. And so they realized, yeah, I was poor and made rich by Jesus Christ. I was lost and I was found. I was imprisoned, I was oppressed, and he came, he paid for me, with his life to get me out. So why wouldn't I, with every area of my life, as I encounter that love, as I receive that power, exercise it in a way that does the same? You know the Ditches story about adopting children. I'm adopted. I'm an adopted little girl. Uh, and it, it's always been close to my heart. And you hear their story and you're like, yeah, that's what Jesus did. We're adopted. That's what Jesus did. What a great, visible real expression of the invisible God, of what he's done for us. And the response is, guess what they're going to have to deal with? The rest of their life, the rest of their life, they didn't know the capacity of what's going to happen, right? Or, or you wouldn't have kids. None of us would. But anyway, the rest of their life, they are going to be giving their life so that their children can have life. That's what's going to happen. And that's what Jesus has done for us as Children that he longs for, that the Father loves. He comes for us. He comes for us as his children. And he gives us everything and will continue to give us everything as his children for the rest of our life. Everything that we need for eternity, Jesus will satisfy in us. And, and, and so out of that reality, we should be giving everything, everything 
to Jesus. All the gifts that we experience, we pour out in the church and in the world with the hope and the expectation, the hope and the expectation that people would be drawn to him, that the body would be edified. Look at verse 33. It says this, with great power, the apostles continued to testify, talk about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so, just like the signs and wonders, when Jesus preached, when the apostles preached, they share the gospel, signs and wonders and credibility is given to the word right here. Just like in every other instance of it that we see in the New Testament. How we give, our radical giving should be a miraculous expression of the power of the Spirit. So, so let's just think about that. Okay, this is what I'm saying. If I called someone down here right now that was lame, that couldn't walk, and I prayed for them, and I said, this is the kind of freedom, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come to set you free from every area of your life. He's come to bring you life to the fullest. This person's not experiencing that. This is limiting them in their worship. This is not who God's created them to be. And I'm going to pray for them to be healed. And I prayed for them. They stood up and they walked. What would happen? It would give credibility to everything that I've just said about what, what, I, what the truth of Jesus Christ is. Who Jesus Christ is. The miracle, the, the, the healing that occurred would testify and, and give you faith, wouldn't it? It would, you know, and if there was a lost person or a non-believer in here, and they saw that, they are like, oh, I want some of that Jesus, right? They would see that, and they were like, whoa, like, that's real. This is real. I want that in my life. I want that freedom in my life. I want to have what that person has. I want to move in the power that you move in. I want that inside me, right? And so this, this is what Luke's teaching, In the same way, how you give should express the same miraculous power, the same crazy outpouring of the Spirit, the same supernatural that someone who is healed is, does. How you give, how radical you are in your giving, should lead people to the same experience, to have the same experience as someone who is healed, as a miracle. That's what Luke is teaching right here. But we don't treat this gift like that, do we? We don't. And there's a lot of reasons why. But, but we should. We should. You know, I remember 13 years ago, I went on a life course weekend. Exactly like the one we're getting ready to have this weekend. And it, it changed my life forever. And there will be people who go on this weekend, and it's going to change your life forever. The church came out of that. And... Um, Anyway, I went on the weekend, and I experienced, the, the Spirit fell on me, just like, it, just like he did here. Okay, I was a Christian, I had the Spirit in me, but, but I can't explain anything other than the Spirit fell on me, I had this powerful outpouring of God's love, I fell on the ground, I couldn't get up, I didn't want to get up because of what I was experiencing in the Spirit, and I just, I remember wanting to just go read my Bible. I wanted to just go be with him as I was experiencing his love, right? And so I get up, and they asked me to start this church, which was freaking crazy, right? Because I didn't know anything about leading a church. And y'all are thinking, like, still don't know anything about leading a church. (laughs) We're glad God does, right? And so anyway, I come home. People, I can't tell you 
how excited I was about the power of the Spirit. I can't tell you how excited I was about praying for healing, about like going up to people on the street and they're like, God wants to do a miracle today. Stay there. Boom. And I just would pray for them. You know, walking around, looking for people to pray for, reading about the gifts. I wrote John Piper a letter. I was like, how do the gifts of the Spirit work in your church? I've read your stuff on tongues. I've read your stuff on the gifts. How does it work? And I was so thirsty, so hungry. I was just going after it. It was so exciting. It was so fun. It wasn't a burden. Didn't, I mean, it was just giving me life, right? So that's what we should be experiencing with giving. What? I get to give how much? I get to risk how much of my life? I get to take this money and give it to the kingdom and God's going to provide for me? How exciting is that? That's amazing. I can't believe that. People are going to see that and they're going to be drawn into the church. People are going to see that and they're going to trust and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are going to see how I give and they're going to be blown away. Oh my word, how cool is that? Have we ever thought about giving like that? And I never have. I read this and I was like, how in the world could this really happen? How, how could we ever give like that? Where there was joy and excitement and we're thinking about, what can I sell? I, what, what, what can I, how can I downsize? I mean, they were selling their property. They were selling everything, giving it to the church so that people would come to know Jesus. So that the church would be edified. The needs of the church would go away. No one in the church would be in need. It would testify to the love of the Father and how he has given everything so that we're not in need. We don't do this, do we? We don't, it's, it's hard. But there's only one way that it happens, right? It's not through guilt or shame. It's, it's through the power of the Spirit, right? And so like, I say something like that and I'm like, okay, now go do it, River City Church. Let's go. No, 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 no. That's like you working towards this happening. Okay, so, so how do we connect? This is the truth. The Spirit's moving right now in you. Right now, I hope the Spirit's doing something in you. Right? Because this is the Word. This is the Holy Spirit going out. He's falling on you. He's moving through you. Hopefully your heart is going, what does this look like in my life? How do I do this? This is amazing. Like, I want to do this. I'm just going to go. No, 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 no. That's not how it happens. One of the ways, that, one of the things that's going to happen, the enemy's going to be like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, 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 no. Nobody gives like, that's not very wise to give your money away like that. Like, that's just not wise. You're supposed to save like the ant in Proverbs, right? We always go to that when we justify saving stuff, right? Or, or like, did you really experience the Spirit? Was that really the Holy Spirit? Is he really saying that? Is this really what God wants us to do? Is this really true? Is this really God speaking to you? Those are the words that the enemy spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Did God really say that? And so the enemy is getting you. He's going after you. And it causes you, you're like, oh, I don't know, man. Maybe I shouldn't risk. Maybe I should be like the ant. Or maybe I shouldn't do this. Or maybe I can't do this. Or maybe, what will people think of me if I do this? This doesn't seem very wise. This isn't very rational, right? Those are all the same things that he speaks to us when it comes to pray for, praying for healing, when it comes to like being in the culture and, and doing radical things and risking and stepping out. You know, how many times have we said, yeah, if we're going to operate in the spirit, 
In the power of the Spirit, we're going to have to demonstrate faith. And how is faith spelled R-I-S-K? How many times have we said that? All right? And so we hear that risk, and we're in a situation like, I'm going to risk. I'm going to go pray for that person. And the enemy's lying to you. But you're like, no, I have faith for this. I'm going to trust the Spirit and trust the Word. I'm going to go do this. Same thing with giving. He's lying to you right now. And you can choose. Am I going to risk? Am I going to exercise my faith? But again, what he wants you to feel, one of the other things that he'll do, so he'll say those lies, but then he'll say like, yeah, yeah, you should do that, but you haven't been. You haven't been doing that. Is God really happy with you? Yeah, for him to be happy with you, for him to love you, you need to give like this. You need to give in a radical way or he's going to be mad with you. He's been mad with you because you haven't been giving. FYI, he's mad with you because you're greedy. He's mad with you because you just got this new car. I just got a new car. So, I mean, speaking to myself here, right? I struggle with this with, like everyone else. And not having new cars is not bad. I'm not saying that, okay? And so he's, he wants you to be motivated by guilt and shame. So how do we get through that? How do we exercise this gift, move in the power of this gift so that in a radical way, as we experience the Holy Spirit and a church that loves the Holy Spirit, how do we do this without, with knowing that we're not being motivated by guilt or shame? Because that's not, or we're not being motivated by works. Because God's not mad with you. He's not sad with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. Because you're his children. Because you've been adopted. You're an adopted child, right? And because you're adopted, we know that our father loves us. And he's treating us like his children. And so how would a child respond to this kind of teaching? Well, they might not want to do it. It might be hard. But we know that the father is loving them. You know, we sing that song. He's calling me deeper still. He's calling me deeper still. He's calling me deeper still. And how can I trust that? Because he's a good, good father. That's who he is. He's a good, good father. And so we hear a message like this, and we can say, he's, he's inviting me into something deeper. He's inviting me into more life. He's inviting me into more freedom. That's what's happening here. And so we hear these words, and we're like, yeah, I can trust God. He's my father. I can risk, and he's not mad with me. He loves me, and he wants more for me. He wants freedom for me in this area of our life. He wants me to give generously because he knows that I'll experience more of him and more of his love. So that's how we, that's how we get around the guilt and we get around the shame is the Father's love for us. That's why it's so important that we're always talking about the Father's love, always trying to get you to experience the Father's love because it's out of that love that we give our life, not necessarily in obedience, even though that's important, but out of affection, out of our love experience with him as his adopted children. Oh, snap, it's long. It's late. Okay. Okay. I was going to end with, like, why don't we have support groups for, for this, like we do in every area of our church? Like GSG, like greedy support group, or if you want to be nice, like giving support group. Like, why don't we have, we, everyone struggles with this. In the Western culture, everyone's like, why don't we have these support groups? We should. We should. We should be talking to each other about this. 
We should be encouraging each other about this. We should be reminding each other about this. We should be having accountability with each other about this because the Father wants to bring us freedom in life. In every other area of our life when we're struggling, we have accountability. We go to conferences. Like how many conferences? There's like feel the power of the Spirit conferences, right? And this is one of the manifestations of receiving the power of the Spirit. But how many conferences have you seen? Like come, experience the power of the Spirit and learn how to give in radical ways. Nobody's showing up to that conference. Nobody. Zero. Goose egg. But this is one of the manifestations of the Spirit. This is one of the gifts. When he moves in power, we should expect this. We should expect this. If we're a charismatic church, which we are, that believes that everything we do comes out of the power of the Spirit falling on us, if this is really who we are, then more then a lot of churches in Jacksonville, we should be the most radical givers. If this is really true about our identity, I think the Father's calling us this morning into something deeper. I really do. I read this, and I was so convicted. My word. In a good way, I was like, yes, I want more of you. I want more of you, Lord. And, and this is all I have to do is, Father, show me what that looks like. Spirit, fill me in a way that I want to obey out of my love for you. There's no magic number. There's no magic percentage. The Holy Spirit will deal with all of us right where we are to bring us into freedom in this area. Let's stand.